1: Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. The podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies. The 1980s. I'm your host Bill Bant, and along with me on this journey, revisiting 80s movies, is my co-host Jason Masek. Hello, Jason.
0: Hello, Bill Bant. Oh, this is gonna be fun, man. I love these mini Are you uh ready to get into it?
1: Yes, yeah, we haven't done one of these in a while, so we thought we'd throw one in, and let's get into it. So this week, we have a special mini-sode for you. Jason and I are going to list five moments in movies that scared us from the 80s. They may not have all been from horror movies, but they certainly had us jump in our seats. Warning, spoilers aplenty. As always, Jason and I have not discussed our list with one another, so each of us will be just surprised as you... I believe Jason and I will have at least one match, so I do have a backup just in case. The only parameter I put on my list was that I didn't choose a moment from a movie we have already discussed on this podcast. I figured I already mentioned those scares, so no creepy twins from The Shining, or little Jason popping out of the lake and grabbing Alice on Friday the 13th. So Jason, why don't you start us off some moments
0: that scared us from the 80s? Absolutely. And I hate you for applying that parameter to this because then I decided to do the same and it made this a lot harder than I thought it was going to (laughs) be because I was racking my brain going, oh, there's so many moments that definitely scared me as a kid watching certain 80s films. And I was just going down the list going, nope, nope, we did that one. Nope, we did that one, did that one, did that one. That one's not in the 80s. You know, whatever it was. (laughs) I was just then like, What am I left with? There are plenty out there for sure. So this is going to be fun. So for my number one 80s movie moment that scared me as a kid, I'm going with the film Child's Play from 1988, an American slasher film directed by Tom Holland. No, not Spider-Man. The other Tom Holland. The one that had also directed Fright Night before this. And funny enough, Chris Sarandon... Stars in both films. This film stars, yes, Chris Sarandon, Catherine Hicks, Alex Vincent, and the great Brad Dorif, who doubles as the killer Charles Lee Ray and does the voice of Chucky. And here's the IMDb synopsis of Child's Play. A dying serial killer transfers his consciousness into a popular kid's doll using voodoo. A struggling single mother gifts her six-year-old son the much-sought-after doll for his birthday. And the doll slowly begins to show its true colors. And there it is. Yeah, as for my scary moment, man, it's in the scene when Catherine Hicks, who plays Karen, mother to Andy, she's returned home after having quite a day. She's frustrated and distraught that her son seems to have a strange obsession with his new good guy doll. Because ever since she gave him the doll for his birthday, there's been two mysterious deaths that occurred while Andy was present. After the second murder occurs, Andy's at the police station and continues to tell the police officers that, and his mother, that Chucky, the doll, was the one involved and that Chucky talks to him. But of course, no one believes him. And now we understand as an audience that Chucky is the killer, but we haven't really seen a full body shot of him committing these acts, nor heard him use his actual killer voice at this point in the film, so... At the police station, they decide to hold Andy for clinical observation. So cut back to this scene where Karen comes home alone after a long day with Chucky the doll in tow, because Andy had been carrying Chucky all around with him, but she took him away from Andy and now is carrying the doll home. She sits the doll down on the couch and yells at it in frustration, trying to get it to talk. But Chucky the doll, the good guy doll, says the same old line, hi, I'd like to be hugged. And then Karen just laughs kind of at herself, actually, thinking she's silly. And she goes into the kitchen and she ends up picking up the box that Chucky came in and stares at it for a moment. And all of a sudden, the package of batteries falls out. Oh boy, Chucky doesn't have any batteries in him. But how could that be if he just spoke? So she goes over and picks him up slowly, turns him over, then opens the battery compartment to see there are no batteries. And here's the moment, suddenly the doll's head spins around backwards to look at her and say, hi, I'm Chucky. You want to play? And she screams and drops him and he rolls under the couch. And that moment, man, like I'm getting chills thinking about it. I was watching this scene on YouTube earlier and the buildup to this, it's coming now. We're going to see it. We're going to see the real Chucky come to life. And when is it going to happen? Because she's home alone with the doll. And the doll is sitting on the couch in the background while she's kind of moving about in the kitchen. And you're just like, is the doll going to move? It's framed really well. You don't know if it's going to do something in the background, like get up and run away, or the head's going to spin at that point. But it's great because nothing happens. And instead, she picks up the package and the batteries fall out. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, that's pretty freaky. And... Then when she goes to pick up the doll and checks the back of it, you're just like, okay, it's going to happen there. And it does, and it freaks you out. And then when she drops Chucky under the ground and he rolls over under the couch, you're like, you got to be kidding me. Now she's got to go under the couch to get the freaking doll. Spoiler alert, and I know Bill said that already. She goes under the couch, and again, great tension building, grabs the doll, the doll doesn't freak out, and she threatens to throw Chucky into the lit fireplace. And only then... Does the real uh, serial killer in Chucky come out and he does this like he kind of squints his face and raises an eyebrow and then uses his voice and just goes, you stupid bitch. And it's like, oh, crap. (laughs) And then he just goes off with some other expletives. But the moment when the head spins around and still you hear that voice. Hi, I'm Chucky. You want to play? And she freaks out. It's, It's great. That's my first scaredy cat moment.
1: Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think of Child's Play. when I was trying to think of moments. That's definitely a future episode that we have to do at some point, Child's Play, that is a classic.
0: I like that one. Good call. Thanks, man. And when it comes to, like, clowns and dolls and things like that, again, like the clown from Poltergeist sitting on the chair, it's that same device that's used in many a horror film, and it works every time. It's just creepy as hell. When you know it's going to come to life at some point, it's just a matter of when. Same deal here with Chucky sitting on the couch in the background. It's uh, very creepy.
1: So for my first one, this is a movie I saw in the theater. It was 1984's Ghostbusters, yeah, directed by all right. uh, Ivan Reitman, starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. And the scene that got me was the librarian. Yep. So this is very early in the movie, and uh, so the movie. In case you're one of the few that have no idea what it's about. So it's three parapsychologists forced out of their university funding, set up shop as a unique ghost removal service in New York City, attracting frightened yet skeptical customers. (laughs) So this is pretty early in the movie. And one of the opening shots is this woman just going through the basement of what seems to be a, a library. And while she's walking through the halls, she comes upon something. We don't see what it is. And it screams at her, and all this wind and blaster backwards, and then we go into the opening title. And we meet three of our four Ghostbusters, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis. And they've actually been called in to check out what this disturbance is at the library. So, you know, going to watch this movie, you're assuming it's a comedy, so... They're down in the basement in the library, and they're noticing all these weird things, all the slimes coming out of the bookshelves, and there's books stacked in the middle of the room, and Hal Ramus, who plays Egon, is walking around with this, like, spectrometer, and it's kind of glowing, making funny noises, and they come around a corner, and... What do they find? They actually find a ghost. And the ghost is in the shape of a librarian. And she's just there reading. And Bill Murray, who plays Peter Bankman, says to the other two guys, "Okay, now that we've seen the ghost, what do we do? And the other two guys have no clue. So they huddle real quick. And they go, you know what? Maybe you should try talking to it. So Peter gets the short straw. And he goes out there and tries to communicate with the librarian. And all the librarian does is turn and So Peter backs off and goes, well, that's not going to work. What are we going to do now? And then Dan Aykroyd, who plays Ray, is like, I got an idea. I got an idea. Stay with me. And the three of them walk out, and they start walking towards this librarian ghost. He's like, stay close, guys. Stay close. Stay close. And then when they get close enough, he just screams, get her! And the librarian turns to them, and then we see... The form that the librarian was when she scared the other librarian, and being in the theater, it definitely made me out, jump out of seat. It's now laughable how goofy it looks, but it did get me that first time. That was a moment that made me jump out of my seat, and, see, and it, it was kind of that supposed to be a funny movie, but it caught you with a scare or two. It, 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 there is a lot of uh, scary moments in that movie, so but yeah, that mm-hmm. was the first one that got me especially at 11 years old. I'll admit it. It got me.
0: I love that you chose this. I was tempted to choose it myself. I had an inkling that you would choose it, knowing that this is your favorite movie of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Top five, yes. Okay, top five. And this one got me too. That moment got me for sure as a kid. And it is funny to revisit these scenes and these moments now and to because obviously we know what's coming so that takes some of the fear out of it of course and then you know you watch it and you're like oh the effects are dated or whatever and it's just kind of, we laugh at it and we're just like oh man we were just so innocent at a certain time and it's fun to look back on that but Ghostbusters unto itself what a perfect blend man what a great movie because it did like you said had there are some scary moments in it there's some creepy stuff, sport, especially towards the end when they're on the rooftop. You know, there was some dark stuff in there. But when then that just made the comedy all that more funny because you would get those moments of levity and it was almost a, a breath of fresh air. Like it was like a serious relief. And you just laughed even harder because you were going from scary to funny. Yeah. So when she does that, that librarian turns and does the freaky ghost face like skeletal ghost face or whatever. That, that got me for sure. Good call, man. Great movie. Been too long. I need to see it again soon. Okay. Yes, my second 80s movie moment that scared me. So this is interesting, Bill Bant. I went, and I'll, I'll tell you why, because it may not seem as though a often cited or typical scary moment, but this affected me as a child. And it's from the film Jagged Edge from the year 1985, a neo-noir legal thriller directed by Richard Marquand, who also happened to direct a little movie called Star Wars Episode VI, Return of the Jedi. Ever heard of it? So the movie stars Jeff Bridges, Glenn Close, Peter Coyote, Robert Loggia, and Lance Henriksen. Here's the IMDb synopsis. A wealthy woman is murdered in her beach house. The husband is allegedly knocked out first. He inherits all. He has a female ex-criminal prosecutor represent him in court. So great cast. It's a pretty decent thriller, as I recall. But I saw the beginning of this movie when I was young, obviously, and I'll make this relatively quick. It's, it's just it's a moment at the beginning of the film. So we've only seen here at this point the cold open, which t- and it takes place in San Francisco. We see a woman home alone in bed. When she is attacked by a masked intruder that ties her up and brutally kills her with a jagged knife, and soon afterward, when the police arrive to the home, namely uh, Peter Coyote, he walks up the stairs alongside uh, Lance Henriksen, and they proceed up the stairs. And now, which is now this home, which is a crime scene, to find, and they find the maid who has also been stabbed to death, and then they finally get to the top of the stairs, and Peter Coyote walks into the bedroom and sees the woman tied on the bed. There's blood everywhere and the word bitch is written on the wall in blood above her. And after seeing that gruesome scene for only a moment, he almost throws up and has to retreat downstairs. So here's the thing. When I saw that shot of this woman kind of spread eagle, she's still wearing a robe, but there's blood on her chest and the blood smeared on the wall. I hadn't been exposed to that type of image quite that way as a child, as a kid. And it was that type of like sadistic violence that just had a, such a darkness to it. And it put a certain visual in my head that I couldn't shake, just kind of like Peter Coyote in, in the movie, like it kind of affected me the same way. And it's always stuck with me, Bill Band. It, it's something I always remember from Scary moments that when I think of films from the 80s, I go to Jagged Edge because when I saw that image, and they do not hold on it very long in the film, it just hit me a certain way where it was so jarring. And watching it today, it doesn't seem quite as bad in comparison to the violence we'll see in in modern films. But when I saw this back then, it was just, it was really dark. It left an imprint on me, and I wasn't accustomed to that genre of film, that sort of murder suspense thriller Or, you know, coming upon a brutal crime scene like that. I guess my young eyes just wasn't, weren't, I should say, weren't ready for that. It's just one of those things that that stuck with me.
1: No, that's a good one. And it's a great explanation of why that happens. And we talk about it all the time. Sometimes movies are influenced by when you see them, how old you see them, who you see them with. And this is a perfect example of it. Because Jagged Edge, for me, was a movie I always wanted to see. And I just kept putting it off, just kept putting it off. And then I finally, I've Mm -hmm. only seen it once and I really did enjoy it. And that's certainly a movie I'm looking forward to going back on the show and covering at some point. So for something that me, I've only seen once. And then for you on the other end of the spectrum had such an impact is really cool. We just saw it at two different times and we just have two different kind of views of it because I barely remember what you're talking about. But for you, it's a memorable moment. <laughs> not in a great way, but right.
0: in a scary way. No, but you're right. That's the point, right? And, and it, it, it'll it happen too, even as an adult, but especially as a kid when you're a bit more innocent, of course, and you're simply not ready for something like that. When you're not prepared for something like that, where you're just watching it going... Because even the opening, the murder scene is horrific, and you don't actually see much of the graphic violence, but you hear the scream, and you, you're like, oh, this is gnarly. But then when you see the crime scene minutes later, I wasn't ready for that as a kid. I hadn't been exposed to that before in a movie. So there you go. What's your next uh, moment, Bill Bant? This
1: one is a surprise kind of too, because it's not in the horror genre. It's more of a whimsical, fun film. But this moment, the first time I saw it got me. But ever since I've seen it that first time, I would laugh at it, freeze frame it and all that. But... It's from 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure.
0: I knew it. I knew this was the one we both were going to have. Oh, you got it? A thousand percent. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So, uh, of course, it is directed by Tim Burton, and it stars Paul Rubens and E.J. Daly. And the movie is about when eccentric man-child Pee-wee Herman gets his beloved bike stolen in broad daylight he sets out across the U.S. on the adventure of his life. And the scene we are, of course, talking about is the scene with Large Marge. Hell yeah. So in the movie, Peter's bike's been stolen. He sees a psychic, and the psychic tells him that his bike is in the basement of the Alamo. So he's hitchhiking across the U.S. to find his bike. And he's on the road in this huge semi-truck pulls up to give him a lift and he gets in and then we have this woman in there and she's just staring straight ahead she's got this nice red plaid shirt on her hair looks like something from bride of frankenstein and paul rubens peewee herman is trying to make some small talk and he says nice night isn't it and she comes back with this great tale on this very night 10 years ago Along the same stretch of road in a dense fog, just like this. I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound, like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And it does a quick cutaway of the truck going down the road, and then it cuts back to Paul Rudd's Pee Wee Herman, and you can see he is all rigid in his chair, wondering where the story is going. And then she continues. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. And Large Marge turns towards (laughs) Pee-wee, and then the face gets totally distorted. You know, we didn't know who Tim Burton was at that time, but in total Tim Burton animation, claymation. And the eyes come bulging out, the mouth grows super long, the tongue comes flapping out, and then, of course, Pee-wee screams. And then Large Marge goes back to normal, just driving like nothing happened. And she just continues. Yes, sir. The worst accident I ever seen. And it's great. At this point, this is a whimsical, fun family film. And this just comes out of nowhere. And I remember jumping back on it, but then like laughing after it happened. And then just like rewinding, just going frame by frame just to see what they did. Because I wasn't even 100% sure what I saw because I kind of turned. Just a great little quick moment in a film that is so much
0: fun. And it just has a little little scare in it that just gets you. Just weren't expecting it. Absolutely fantastic. So glad you also chose this as, a, as one of your moments because it is a seminal moment for me. It scared the crap out of me as a kid. Because like you said, whimsical, fun, comedy, adventure, film. Paul Rubens as Pee Wee is brilliant. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. And he's excellent. And it's just so much fun. And this scene kind of happens. It's like a ran. It's totally random. She doesn't say anything except for this story. There's no pleasantries or whatever. Yeah, I'll give you a ride. Hop on in or anything like that. She just goes right into the story. And then her face, like you said, distorts and contorts. Even her hair goes squiggly. Like she gets like the Medusa hair. Like it's fantastic. And it comes out of left Field out of nowhere. And that really disturbed me as a kid. And you're right. I watched it today and I just laughed out loud because I was like, this is so much fun. It's so funny and it's just brilliant. Tim Burton, it's the genius of Tim Burton. He's got to go dark at least for a moment and weird, right? And just weird. Oh, yeah. It's entertaining. It's his style. He put that's that's his signature. So it's got to be in there. And it is. So I share that moment with you, my friend. Large Marge. All right. Be sure and tell him Large Marge sent you. (laughs) So great. Do you want to go or do you want me to go again? Uh, I'll go. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. So for my third moment that scared me as a kid, I'm going with a movie that we're about to cover coming up in our Splatter Cinema Month this October. Uh, so I chose a moment from The Fly from 1986, a science fiction horror film directed by the great David Cronenberg. This film stars Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis and John Getz. The IMDb synopsis is a brilliant but eccentric scientist begins to transform into a giant man slash fly hybrid after one of his experiments goes horribly wrong. Now, cutting to the chase here, Jeff Goldblum plays this scientist, Seth Brundle, and at a meet-the-press event for the company that he works for, he meets journalist Veronica or Ronnie Quaif, and then takes her back to his warehouse to show her his invention, which consists of two separate pods that can allow an inanimate object to be teleported between them. He's basically invented a teleportation device. But... He hasn't been able to get it to work on live tissue, which he then demonstrates by placing a baboon into one of the pods. And when the sparks fly and the teleportation is complete, the baboon is transported to the other pod and it has reappeared inside that pod, except that it is turned inside out. It's disgustingly gross. It's disturbing and sad. And I hated that. And it scared me. What else can I say? There's several moments in this brilliant film that scared me as a kid that freaked me out. But that from the start, I felt terrible for the baboon. You hear the squealing and you see the shaking. The sound design is great. And obviously, like when the sparks fly and the teleportation, like the science fiction aspect is wonderful. And then that horrific scene occurs. And I was like, No, thank you. What have I gotten myself into? That was one of those films I'll never forget that I, you know, and I look forward to covering it soon here with you, Bill Bant, because it had a real effect on me. Just like, what am I watching? This is awesome. And I want to throw up at the same time. And I was torn. I actually chose a different scene from this film first. And then I was going over the synopsis again, or the uh, plot actually. And I was like, oh, right, of course. No, this is the moment that scared the crap out of me as a kid. It's hard to choose when it comes to this movie. I didn't even think about this
1: one because I was like, if we did the five grossest scenes from an 80s movie, this would be (laughs) on my list. Right. And the fact that you mentioned that, I was like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty scary scene because... When he goes through the machine, the receptacle pod, it all fogs up. So you don't really see what's in there at first. Right. And then you just see that baboon hand just like smack the glass. And it's like a holy shit moment. So that is definitely a great jump scare. I was like, I can't think of anything from the fly. I can think of gross stuff. But that is definitely a jump in your seat moment.
0: Yeah, it was just no, no, thank you. I was not expecting that. Not that. As a kid, it's pretty graphic. The other scene I almost chose was the arm wrestling scene when he snaps the oh, guy's arm in half. Off. That scared me as a kid. Yeah, I'd put that in the gross pile. Yeah. yeah, that could be good. Yeah, depending on when you saw it, that would be scary. It freaked me out. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, obviously gross, but I, again, just wasn't expecting it that to happen. Right? No. No. You think not he's going to, in the arm wrestling match, he's just going to slam the guy's arm down, yep. not snap. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. What's your next moment, man? All right.
1: Now's when I start getting into the horror movies. And the context of this movie is uh, my family and I went to a drive-in, and I cannot remember what the movie we went to saw, but it it would show like three movies. It was the headline movie, and then maybe it was something that had already been out a year before and and something else. So I think we were into the second movie, and I think it was Splash, and I've already seen it like six times. (laughs) But on the screen behind us, they were showing the Living Dead series. So this is from 1985's Day of the Dead, directed by George A. Romero. So I'm literally in the back of our station wagon watching the movie. I can't hear anything. I'm just watching it. And I'm kind of watching it out of context because I would like turn and kind of watch a little bit. I didn't want my parents to catch me watching. I wasn't fully watching it, but I definitely caught this one scene. So this movie stars... um, Lori Cardiel and Joe uh, Palato and the synopsis is, so this is the third part of the United Living Dead trilogy. And as the world is overrun by zombies, a group of scientists and military personnel sheltering in an underground bunker in Florida must determine how they should deal with the undead horde. So in the scene, so we have Sarah who's played by Lori Cardiel and she wakes up in this empty room. And the only thing in the room is a calendar. And uh, the month of the calendar is October, and it's all X'd off. And she gets up, and she walks across the room to look at the calendar more closely. And on the calendar, the picture on the top is a pumpkin patch. And she's just kind of staring at it. And while she's staring at it, she goes to reach up and touch the calendar itself. And this room she is, it's supposed to be like a concrete walls all around, white concrete and as she touches the calendar, all of a sudden, all these zombie hands go punching through the wall at the same time that I gave like a, ah! and that's when I right. got busted that I was watching these movies in the back. <laughs> and it's a pretty famous scene in the movie. And like a lot of people bust on it because if you really see Sarah's reaction to it, cause she kind of turns and makes this face. And I think they waited too late on the cut. They actually need to cut like two seconds out of it because it almost seems like she holds her pose afterwards. And then after that, you find out it's a dream, and then she wakes up in a helicopter. Yeah, that definitely got me the first time I saw it. And then even every once in a while, when I'm watching the movie again, I'm like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to (laughs) happen. So it kind of gets me a little bit.
0: That was definitely a jump for me the first time. That's great, man. I've never seen the film, I'm ashamed to say. I need to sit down at some point, preferably with a group of people. I think it would be fun to watch the entire trilogy, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, the whole the whole series, because I've only really seen bits and pieces. I think I've seen Night of the Living Dead in its entirety, but that was years ago. Regardless, that sounds fun. It sounds scary as hell, like that moment would have gotten me as a kid for sure. And I just always love your retelling of those childhood stories because you Tell them with a vivid description, and I can imagine myself there kind of in your shoes. So I appreciate those memories. It might have been The Black Cauldron, which was kind of a scary Disney movie. So
1: that was kind of yeah, fun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm thinking, if it were showing Splash, I'm like, why Because that was Cauldron. another Disney oh movie. Yeah. I haven't thought about that film in forever. I know. That's a movie I really want to revisit at some point because I know everyone kills absolutely. it, but I was like, I thought I kind of remember liking it, but then I was a kid. So,
0: right. Yeah.
1: I think it's a Disney Plus now. I might have to check it out.
0: Did you want to double up here? Why don't you do another one then? Uh, Okay. So, yeah, another horror movie.
1: And this is 1989's Pet Cemetery, directed by Mary Lambert, uh, starring Dale Midkiff, Denise Crosby, and Fred Gwynn, just Zelda, Rachel's sister in this movie. Every scene just scared the crap out of me. I saw this in the theater. I was curled up like in a ball. But the one scene that got me the most was, so you kind of find out the story. uh, Rachel, played by Deece Crosby, had this older sister, Zelda, who had spinal meningitis. And she was just slowly dying and just suffering. And they would do these flashback scenes of her with her sister. And hopefully it's for the movie, not the book, is when Rachel was eight years old. She was left home alone with her sister and her sister ended up dying. And she kind of saw it. So she's constantly haunted by Zelda. So at the end of the movie, when, yeah, so the whole premise of the movie is it's, there's a cemetery. If you, and if you bury something in the cemetery, it comes back to life. And right. the first is, it's their cat gets killed and they bury that and it comes back to life. But it doesn't come back to life quite the same. There's something a little off about it. And unfortunately, they have a son and the son gets hit by a truck. And the father digs it up out of the cemetery, takes it to the pet cemetery, buries it, brings it back. But now this little kid's like a psycho killer. Yeah,
0: totally creepy.
1: So the mom comes back home to find out what is going on. And while she's back in her house, she has a flashback of her sister, Zelda. And all of a sudden she hears this, Rachel, is that you? I finally came back for you, Rachel. I'm going to twist your back like mine so you'll never get out of bed again. Never get out of bed again. And we see Zelda in the bedroom all the way on the one side. And while she's saying this, she literally runs at the screen and she's just so disfigured and scary looking. It freaked me the hell. I had nightmares about Zelda for the longest time. And then I found out recently that Zelda was played by a man. I don't think he's ever had any other acting credit, but Zelda to me was one of the scariest things I had ever seen. Even just watching the clip again, just to prepare for this, the hairs on my arms were standing on end again. That's the impact Zelda had had on me. And then you find out, yeah, she kind of snaps out of this vision,
0: and you see Gage in the room with her, and she ends up getting it. Wow. What a great callback. I feel like I need to see that movie again just for that moment, and I don't Want to at the same time though, <laughs> right? Because exactly. it sounds really freaky, and I've seen the movie. I just, for whatever, maybe I just blocked out that moment because that is really scary, very creepy. Anytime you get like a witch type, or uh, yeah, like the decrepit, like old lady, like it's the woman in the bathtub in the shining, or, or something, you know, when you get the you understand the description yes. I'm going for here of the old lady that's just super creepy and dark and kind of falling apart basically very sickly and then comes scrambling after you all of a sudden like you see that in these horror films a lot now i feel like uh, anyway it's uh yeah just it's creeping me out now just thinking about it and just imagining it great great moment
1: yeah especially seeing it on the big screen that was a big zelda face in my face and uh, i did not want to see that anymore. <laughs> a big
0: zelda face in my face yeah love it Oh, that's great. Well, my then last moment is from a film I know eventually we'll cover on our podcast, and I've always put it on my suggested list for uh, Bill when it comes to scheduling, and we'll get to it. It's one of the most underrated horror slash thriller films from the 80s, in my humble opinion. I, I know a lot of other people share my opinion. That film is The Hitcher from 1986. It is a horror road thriller film directed by Robert Harmon, starring the Dutchman himself, Rutger Hauer, also C. Thomas Howell, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. IMDb synopsis. A young man who escapes the clutches of a murderous hitchhiker is subsequently stalked by the hitcher and framed for his crimes. Now, once again, cutting to the chase here, Rutger Hauer is our baddie in this movie, and he is a real baddie. Uh, Not Roy baddie just a bad guy, and a murdering hitchhiker named John Ryder. And he's been stalking the hapless C. Thomas Howell, who just can't seem to shake him. And at this point in the film, C. Thomas Howell, playing the character of Jim, has been through hell. And uh, along his journey, he's befriended a girl named Nash, played by Jennifer Jason Leigh. Now, they have made their way to a motel, And Jim decides to take a shower. And at this time, Rutger Hauer, who's been stalking him all along, kidnaps Nash. Not good. Now, when Jim goes to look for her at the nearby cafe slash truck stop, the police apprehend him. And he thinks he's busted for a crime that he hasn't committed because this stalker, this hitchhiker, has been framing him for his own crimes, his murderous crimes. But the police actually ask Jim to negotiate with Rutger Hauer, who is now in the driver's seat of a Mack truck at this cafe stop. Now here's the scenario. Rutger Hauer has tied the girl Nash from the truck to the trailer hitch. So her hands have been tied to the hitch and her feet are tied to the back of the truck. So she's being drawn or stretched out. Rutger Hauer is in the driver's seat. The ignition is on. The Mack truck is running. Hauer's got his foot on the gas and his left foot on the clutch. And if he lets the clutch out and hits the gas, Nash, a.k.a. Jennifer Jason Leigh, will be torn apart. So the cops are asking C. Thomas Howell, his character, because they know he has this previous relationship with Rutger Hauer, to get into the Mack truck and try to talk him down. To turn off the truck. To not commit this horrific crime. See Thomas Howell cl- climbs into the cab with Rutger Howard, And Howard is just amazing in this film. He's sweating and he just looks evil. He's got this sneer that he gives and he's just, it's brutal. And see Thomas Howell is just desperate and young and inexperienced. And Howard just has complete control. Hauer actually passes a pistol, a gun, over to C. Thomas Howell. You have to understand in this film, Rutger Howard wants to get caught. He wants C. Thomas Howell to catch him and to kill him. But C. Thomas Howell hasn't had the cojones to do it to this point. So C. Thomas Howell takes the gun from Rutger Hower and Howard says, point it at me. You can point it at my head. And he does so, but C. Thomas Howell cannot go through it. He cannot pull the trigger. So Rutger Hower just looks at him, takes the gun out of C. Thomas Howell's hand and says, you useless waste. And then he smiles and he takes his foot off the clutch and hits the gas. And it's one of the scariest, most horrific scenes I've ever had. It's probably the most impactful scene for me because this one is more, it's what you don't see you just hear Jennifer Jason Leigh's screams in the background and you hear the sound effects. And it's one of those moments, man, that uh, it scarred me for life. (laughs) It's just like, holy shit, did they just do that in this movie? It's really disturbing. And it scared the crap out of me as a kid. It's just a movie. And again, sorry, I'm not sure, Bill, that you'd actually seen this film.
1: Not all the way through, no.
0: There you go. That's my final... Uh, 80s movie moment that scared the crap out of me and still stays with me to this day.
1: Yeah, that is a good one. I know you've told me this scene before a couple of times, and I've only watched bits and pieces of the movie. I've never seen it all the way through. It will be one that we cover certainly in the future. I think we are always debating: is it does it fall under Spider Cinema Month or is it really more of a thriller? Mm. Just even the description of that. I, yeah, I'm definitely something the mind paints a worse picture than what you
0: would probably actually see. Right. That's, that's exactly right. That's the thing It's is that you don't actually see it. You just hear it. Yeah. It makes it even worse. Yeah. Very scary. And again, if you haven't seen the film, uh, despite the horrific nature of that particular scene, I recommend it. If you enjoy horror thriller films and watch it simply before Rutger Hauer's performance, if anything else.
1: So for my last one, and this is the one I thought we were going to match on, Jason. So I was kind of surprised. So I actually had picked two different scenes from this movie, but I'm I'm going to pick the one that scared me the, the most. And that's from 1982's The Thing. Ah, yes. Directed by John Carpenter, sure. starring Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and Keith David. And the scene that I picked out of this one, there's, there's many, but the one that gets me every time because I kind of forget when it happens is the blood test. So the movie is a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims. So they had unearthed. Well, actually an, another um, team up there had found this alien and it's now made its way into the Antarctica camp. And there's eight or 10 men up there. Right. And it's assuming the identities of the men. And they don't know who is who. So it's a whole thing of who do you trust? One of these people can be an alien. So at one point, someone's trying to frame Kurt Russell as the thing. And Kurt Russell's trying to tell them, I am not. it. It is one of you. I'm going to prove it. But yeah, he's basically carrying dynamite. And he's like, if any of you come near me, I'm just going to blow you all up. And then eventually... He gets a hold of one of the flamethrower and uses that as a device to keep everyone kind of hostage. And we find out that one of their own, they think, has a heart attack. And he actually became the thing. And then the thing runs off. But McReady wants to make sure that there's only the one. And there's not another one among them. So he has them all tied up and then draws blood from all of them. And even that scene is kind of gross because you see like uh, one of the characters names windows and he takes a scalpel and just like digs it into his thumb. I'm just like, Oh, I don't need to see that. And he pours them in the little Petri dishes and McReady, Kurt Russell gets a copper wire that he kind of strips down to the copper and then heats it and then takes the hot wire and points it into the blood thinking that the alien will try to self preserve itself if it's being attacked. So Windows cuts his finger, he tests it, it turns out okay. And while this is going on, of course, all the, the guys that are tied up are bullshit, this test isn't going to work. And also while it's happening, the commander of the group, um, his name's Gary, McGrear is talking and making it sound like Gary's the one that's probably going to end up being the thing. So that's they're kind of setting you up that way. So he takes um, one of the other guys, his name's Copper, He's okay. Clark, who he just shot because Clark actually tried to attack him and take McGrady down. They find out that he's okay, which now they're like, well, McGrady, you just murdered someone. And then he has the blood of someone else. And while he's having an argument with his commander about it, he goes to stick the copper wire into the blood. And the blood literally, like, screeches and jumps. And you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It's like something you've never seen before. And then the guy is Palmer and he's the thing. And then all of a sudden Palmer starts shaking in his chair because he's tied up and he starts convulsing. And then the other guys are in their chairs and like, get us out of here. Get us out of here. And they're trying to scoot away from him. And then Palmer full out becomes the thing. And McRearney's trying to use this flamethrower on her and it doesn't, it's not working. And he asks Windows is the only other person in the room right now that's not tied up to use his flamethrower, but Windows is so stunned by what's going on, Palmer eventually attacks him and eats him, but that blood jumping, that's shit-your-pants moment right there. It's just something you did not expect to happen. There's like, okay, he's testing the blood. And of course, there's two other people up to that point that you think could possibly be infected and nothing
0: happens. So you're just kind of like, oh, I wonder if this test even works. And then sure enough, boom, it does. Oh, man. Heck yeah, man. And this definitely was a film I came across. And I was like, oh, man, <sighs> should I do this? Because maybe Bill will do this one and could choose several moments from this all time classic thriller. It's an amazing film. And the special effects are just brilliant, or the in the makeup effects and the creature effects, all of it is wonderful. But you're right; it's one of those things too. Like when it's just such a great piece of because I remember what we covered this a little bit when we were talking about we were comparing something. We guessed it on uh, surely you can't be serious. We did a little guest spot. And we yep. talked about The Thing a little bit. Just talking about, you know, I was putting one word to the film. And I think it, tension was the word I used. But then one of the hosts of Surely You Can't Be uh, Serious it was either Jason or D used uh, paranoia, I think. And, and that's really what better describes this film. And that's how, you know, setting up that particular scene and the way that it, it unfolds and the paranoia and tension that build. And who is it? Who's it going to be? Who is the thing? It's a great device using the Petri dish and the searing copper wire. And yeah, it's like, you know, something's going to happen, but you certainly don't expect it to happen that way. And it really is in your face and it's shocking. And you're like, oh, oh no, all hell's just broke. What is, what is happening? What is happening? Make it stop. And it doesn't stop from then then on in. (laughs) It's really, really quite a scene. Great moment, man. Great. I mean, no, yeah, no. absolutely. Just awesome. Awesome. I love talking about this. It's just great. It's like, oh yeah, well, now I just want to watch the whole movie again. Oh, yeah. And all I can hear is John Carpenter's song to the dum, 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 like that, that yep. theme song, which is like the most simple theme song, and it works perfectly Definitely. throughout.
1: So I know there's tons of scary moments that we missed, and maybe there's something out there that scared the crap out of you that you want to share. So please email us, tweet us, let us know what it is. What was your scary moment that made you jump out of your seat? Please let us know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to say the same thing. Sorry to interrupt, Bill. No, yeah, okay. I was going. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it was interesting thinking about some of these moments and why they're scary for us. Because there's for it's different. I think you mentioned this. It's different for different people as to what exactly is scary versus something that's simply gory or gross. What is scary to you? Because there's great jump scares. There's just simply freaky type of moments or simply creepy types of moments. And then, like I mentioned with Jagged Edge, I think, and this goes for so many other people too, that when you're a kid, you get exposed to these movies or you kind of sneak off and you watch one of these movies late at night because you're just out of curiosity. And then you come across... You know what? I, I'll, I'm just going to throw this in. There's like a movie like, speaking of John Carpenter, Prince of Darkness was one of those movies too that I caught for some reason and it just grabbed my attention and curiosity. And I was just like, well, that was a mistake because now I'll never sleep again, <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> because oh, yeah. it
0: was just touching the mirror freaked me out. And I looked at mirrors differently for a while after that movie. It's just that kind of thing. So I would be curious to know, to get some, uh, yeah, some fan mail. As to what your scary moments are from the 80s movies and why. Why they, even if there's something very obscure, why it had an impact on you at a certain time in your life.
1: Okay, so I think that about wraps it up for this week's mini As always, thank you so much for listening. Please take the time to follow, give us a review, and rate us. we really appreciate the support. If you want to reach out, you can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback questions or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook meta and all eighties movies podcast or tweet excess at podcast, all eighties next week. We are bringing back our back to back to school series where we talk about movies dealing with school life. The first is the 1989 cult classic Heathers starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater until
0: then have a totally great week, everyone. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening!